Welcome to The Wheel Reads, a Wheel of Time podcast. Your hosts are Alan, Chris, and Ian. This podcast is safe for first-time readers with no spoilers. This week, we'll be covering chapters 41, 42, and 43 of The Eye of the World. Old friends and new threats, remembrance of dreams, indecisions, and apparitions. Enjoy! All right, episode 20, the big 2-0. We finally made it 20 weeks into this. Um, it seems like forever ago. I think it's more because of quarantine, why it seems like it's been forever uh, that we're recording or <laughs> doing this podcast. Um, but, you know, um, 20 weeks in, 20 episodes in, um, excited to have it still going, still growing. Things are going great. Uh, we're really enjoying all the new fans, all the new people listening to us. Um, tonight's gonna be a really fun episode. So before I get into that, I want to do a quick couple housekeeping things. Uh, want to thank everyone, of course, for listening. We we hit four thousand downloads, blew past that last week. I think as of tonight, we're already over like four thousand four hundred. So within one week, we had another four hundred downloads. So we're just uh, it keeps on growing, going faster and faster. Um, wow. Pretty, yeah. Um, so wow. that's great. I, I I'm enjoying all the downloads and all the people actually give us a shot. Um, also as well, we have two new patrons, uh, patrons, uh, to our Patreon. Um, that's Pythos and Layla Gaushi, um, are two new patrons. Um, thank you guys so much for, uh, for helping support us monetarily. Uh, it means the world to us, uh, just able to upgrade equipment. And Chris is actually, uh, for at least not for the discord guys listening right now, but for the recording using a new mic. And headset that we bought with the Patreon money. So, yeah, thank, you, so thank you so much, everybody. So hopefully sound quality will continue to rise. Ian's next in line to get another headset. We'll have that for him next week, or actually next Yeehaw. month. Next month, and um, not next week, next month, and uh, and we keep on going there. Um, so speaking of Patreons as well, and Patre- Patreon, Patreon, uh, we are doing a giveaway. Um, so for the month of June, coming up June first, we'll be selecting one patron. Um, so if you guys feel so inclined to become that, it's really simple. Um, there's a link in the description of this episode. You can click on that. Um, um, our, our entry level starts at $1 a month. Um, and it goes up from there to other levels and you get other stuff, with more levels as well. So, um, anyone things be, and stuff, things and stuff. Yeah. So you can, <laughs> so, um, um, if this giveaway is going to be another hard copy cover, uh, our hardcover copy of the eye of the world. Um, we're, we're wrapping up that book next month, but just wanted to give one final book away. Um, so, but we're, uh, giving back to the people who give to us. So, um, uh, if you guys feel so inclined to, to help support us, uh, go over, visit that website, feel free to give. And as long as you are entered before June 1st as a patron, then you are eligible for the drawing. So I think that's it for housekeeping. So moving on to personal life, what's, what's going on with you guys? So I've had decent updates during this quarantine thing but uh this last week for me has been very much groundhog's day so unfortunately i don't have anything exciting to talk about um i've actually had a lot of work to do like like work work like getting on the laptop you know waking up in the morning and doing work and it's been really strange because for a while i mean i'd only have 
maybe two to three hours worth of actual work where I have to make phone calls and get contractors on the line, all that jazz. But this last week I've been working. It's been so weird. Um, yeah, other than that, that's, that's been life. You know, all right. if it's been sunny, I go outside and work on my tan and when it's raining, uh, well, I guess I finished the, um, I told most of y'all I was watching star Wars, um, clone wars, the animated one. And I just finished that the other night. So I guess that's, that's the big news from this week for me. Okay. Um, you know, this week has honestly been a little tough for me. So my grandmother turned 91 not too long ago, and we, she made the decision that she wanted to go um, up to her hometown in Christiansburg, Virginia, and she wanted to visit some of the sites of the areas that she grew up in and show me some of the homes that her family owned and about literal thousands of acres. And, you know, we, we went through all of that. And that was awesome, but my mother was with us, and she and I do not have a great relationship because she is very selfish, and so we explored that mm. quite a bit. Um, but really, what really got me this week, um, here in the local area, there was a, um, a young man murdered uh, night before last, and he was a kid that I mentored and tutored at the Boys and Girls Club. Not only that... I grew up with him. Like I remember him in diapers. He was like a brother to me. Wrong place, wrong time. There was a home invasion is what they said on the news. It was more like a little bit of a beef war between one of the guys that was in the apartment and he got caught up in it and he's no longer with us. So really Mm. hard on the family. I'm really good friends with two of his older brothers. So, you know, like I said, we, I literally have known him since he was in diapers. He was a kid that always had a smile on his face, always had a positive word. And he he could have lived if he wasn't that type of person. Um, when the guys invaded the home, he was running towards the back door. And another guy got Jeez. shot in the leg. And rather than continuing out the back door, he went back to try to drag him to safety. Mm. So. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, man. That's yeah, you know that's the world I grew up. In. My aunt, my aunt knows, you know, nothing about the way I grew up. My aunt was with me on the trip. She's never had to deal with you know that type of chaos in our world because she lived up in Michigan for the first I don't know for the last thirty some years, and then she's down in South Carolina in in, in the Bible Belt, so she knows nothing about that. So to have to explain to her what it's like to grow up in low income and poverty and to treat everybody in your neighborhood as family. And then to see somebody hear about somebody shot and killed, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. you know, really tough. Yeah. Unfortunately here in, in our hometown does happen too often. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah. Thoughts and prayers for you, Chris. Uh, I know everybody in discord's going through and saying their condolences and thank and, you. Doctors, well stuff. So yeah, um, wow. Um, well, it was good to talk about my personal life, but now I just feel like uh, maybe it's just crazy the episode. <laughs> no, <laughs> so, you should go yeah. ahead because we know you got good stuff to say. <laughs> I, well, I don't. I mean, that's a, uh, so. Okay, it's a lifting note, um, and I don't know if it's lifting note or not. So uh, in my personal life, as many of you know, um, um, uh, there's um, I, I'm a big avid tailboat racer. 
And sailing has been canceled for this entire season so far because of COVID. Um, and uh-huh. who knows? Um, they, they've tentatively now actually said when they're going to start racing sailboats again. It's going to be in June. Somehow, I don't think it's actually going to happen, but um, they've scheduled for the first sailboat race. It's going to be actually an offshore race, which I think is hilarious because normally we have months to prepare and train for offshore racing. Uh, offshore meaning to go off the coast of the Atlantic Ocean, into the Atlantic Ocean, so you can't see, see shore anymore. I mean, we're talking international waters way off, way off the coast and sail and race back. Um, so I'm f- comfortable with doing that kind of stuff. Hopefully, everybody else in our crew is. I don't think it's actually going to happen. So I'm kind of tongue in cheek saying, you know, <laughs> but I'm excited still just to get back in the water. Uh, if that, even if it is not till next year, <laughs> but yeah. so you, Alan, you, you have enough crazy people like me that are like, yeah, sure. Let's go offshore. But uh, for people that aren't in the boating world, I'm more worried about the boats themselves because those small races close to the Marina, uh, that's your chance to tune up the boat before you do a big race like that. So yeah. if they just open up with something like that, you're going to have a lot of breakdowns. Yeah. That's that's going to be tough. Yeah. And as long as no squalls come through, we've had, we've been out there before when a squall came through a big storm and um, it was fun for me, but obviously, like you said, the boats are all tuned up. So we'll see. Um, yeah. And also in discord, people are asking, I did, I did have a uh, last weekend. Um, we finally broke quarantine a little bit with my, my family. Uh, we were kind of quarantined even for my parents, but we decided to go ahead and um, and um, break that and let the grandkids hang out with the parents more for our sanity, uh, and also to let the grandkids hang out with 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 grandma, grandpa. Um, but uh, we were able to give the kids to my my parents, and my wife and I were able to day drink all day long, which was awesome. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so was really excited to do that. Um, enjoyed uh, just hanging out and lounging and having a few drinks and. Um, I, I love my kids, but it's nice every once in a while not to have them. Um, <laughs> and any parents out there yes, will sir. appreciate that. So it's it's just they're great, uh, but you know, especially quarantine where we don't get to send them anywhere, so they have no activities. They're just with us all the time. So, <laughs> um, and then of course I have the country and state this week. Um, uh, I thought about going with a particular country just because it's Willatine related, but I decided to go with a one next to it because it's um, um, uh, we have a friend, a friend from high school that lives there. That's Slovakia. So uh, one, of, one of Ian and I's friends from high school with an exchange student from Slovakia, and uh, he doesn't listen to our podcast yet, but that's going to be changed relatively quickly. But if anybody else knows anybody from Slovakia, uh, from Bratislava or anywhere over there, uh, we'll be happy to have them as listeners. So Slovakia is my pick. Yeah. Let's get them on. All right. So let's move real quickly into predictions from last week. And then one thing I'm going to do differently as well is I'm going to start bringing up some of these old predictions uh, just because, um, uh, you know, some of them have come true, some of them haven't, but just kind of as a, do you guys remember actually saying this? Do you guys still actually think this kind of thing? Just kind of something <laughs> new. Not going to be doing each episode. So from last week, uh, we thought that Pat and Fane was following them. That was one prediction. Um, uh, Rand is going to have to choose between uh, choose or something between powers. That was in his dreams. Chris had said something like that, like whereas Logan and Moraine and Balsamon all dream, he had to choose. Uh, Rand is going to marry Elaine. Of course, you know, <laughs> one of our previous. Uh, I think we've said Elaine, um, uh, Matt, Min, and Moraine actually. I think as well. So Rand, I think is just going to get around. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Um, yeah, Moraine was one of our early predictions. I think Ian actually thinks that uh, Moraine and Rand were going to get together. I don't know if he still thinks that, but uh, he's got <laughs> options. He has <laughs> options. And then um, Ian having a meltdown about the hair mark blade was last week as well. So I think <laughs> yeah. something significant about this blade. Something it's rare. Something's something's crazy about the sword. So that's a prediction as well. Is that it's that there's it's super rare and and really super significant. So we'll see if that comes true. So let's move on right into chapter 41 without any, any, uh, any more delay. So chapter 41, old friends and new threats is the title. And we have an icon, the staff. So I know Ian was really excited when he saw that icon. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I was excited about the icon and then uh, old friends. I didn't even read the end new threats part. I was just like, Moraine, old friends, they're getting back together. Yay. Which is crazy because uh, for so long I gave so much shit to Moraine. But at this point, it almost doesn't even matter. I mean, they're all just way out of their element. And I think everybody feels more comfortable getting back together, even with all this shit that's gone on with Matt, all the stuff that's gone on with Perrin, like everything. It's I'm just glad that there, there's some familiar faces that are coming together. So the new threats, fuck it. We've done threats. We'll we'll figure that out when we get to it. But the party getting back together is pretty exciting. I completely yeah. and totally, utterly agree. As soon as we ended the last uh, podcast and we saw that image, I was right there with Ian. I was like, you know what? Finally, we are all getting back together again. Finally, the book is heading towards the end. And we'll be getting to the second one soon which means we're going to get some stuff happening here. We're going to get movement. We're going to get something <laughs> awesome. And then I remember that there were 15 books. I said, I won't get too excited, but I'm pretty stoked. <laughs> nice. Good deal. So, yeah, so we'll kind of jump right in. So Rand gets back to the end. He's ran the whole way back from the palace. You know, we left. Rand was, uh, you know, I just left the palace uh, 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 meeting with the queen, and he ran the whole way back, and he, he gets in and um, um, and and busts to the end, and uh, and you know he goes to the common room and and people are talking about different things. Apparently, people are stealing cats because there's so much rats in Camelin right now that rats or cats are kind of a commodity. Um, uh, people are talking about Loghain in the common room, of course, since that's the big news of the day since he was brought in. Um, you know, everybody's talking about that, and and um, and Rand doesn't want to do anything with the common room. He kind of just here's a couple of things kind of blocks it out, goes straight back into the library uh, where Gil and Loyal are playing a game called stones, which we don't know much about yet, but, um, but yeah, so let's start with these, this first interaction. Uh, we don't have to get so far to Gil and Loyal, but if you guys have anything from that first scene or if we want to jump right into uh, this interaction between Gil and Loyal. Yet. That's what I want to focus on. Ian Allen said the word yet. <laughs> so stones is going to become important. We need to pay close attention to stones. <laughs> no taken. Sure, sure, sure. I'm going to hit him with a little bit of his own medicine there. <laughs> yeah, it's a little spoiler. Yes, stones is mentioned multiple times throughout the entire book. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait. Hey, take note. I think that's your first official spoiler for us. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. Sorry, there's been there's the been book. some hints that have been kind of necessary before, but that one, I mean, he's he's laughing, but maybe this is a really big joke. Like at the very end, Rand challenges Beelzebub to a game of stones. 
and this is what decides the fate of the whole universe, age, time, everything. Dude, it's 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 uh, paper rock scissors. It's a game of paper rock scissors for it. It's not yeah. <laughs> two out of three, three out of four. Yeah, best of seven. Damn right. <laughs> no, honestly, uh, you know, leading up to the initial scene. You know, I, I love the interaction that Rand is having with uh, with our, uh, our our henchman. Was it Lamguin? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, like like. But when it comes down to it, you could tell he was really just bothered in trying to to get to to talk to Master Gill and Loyal. So yeah, and he had such an absurd day. Um, you know, we get to it when he runs into to Master Gill and, and Loyal, but like he's before he's been so hesitant to tell people about anything, like he doesn't know who to trust at this point. I don't know if it's so much that he trusts them or like, it was just such a wild story. He knows he can't go tell Matt cause Matt's still in his funk, but he's just, you, when something like this happens, you can't keep that shit to yourself. You got to go mm-hmm. tell somebody, you know? So he's, he's jonesing. Yeah. Yeah. So he gets into the, the library and, and of course, uh, Gil's happy to see him because he's losing, and uh, Master Gil, and and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and you know stops playing. And says you know immediately Gil starts wondering, worrying about the beggar, you know, because he's like this guy was looking for you. Did you see the beggar, and Rand's like, yeah, I saw him, but that's not important. I saw the queen, and Gil's just like, sure you did. Like, and Gareth Bryn just came my 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 end, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I love the sarcasm. It was beautiful. I would get along well with that guy. <laughs> Um, and, and, and Rand starts to tell his whole story. It's like, no one wants to believe me. Everything's lying today. It, it starts to tell his whole story. And as his story goes out, I can just picture this as, as Master Gill realizes, oh, he's, just, he's telling the truth because there's no way. It's one thing if you like joke around, how oh, I saw the queen. It's another thing if you like start telling the story with all these details. It's like, okay, this actually happened. Um, yeah, I, I almost believe you weren't making fun, the innkeeper said slowly. And then Loyal, who this is... <laughs> Pretty much the whole chapter, this is his number one line, Tavirin. <laughs> and then and then later on they talk about the other people and he's like, hmm, more Tavirin, 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 Tavirin. <laughs> so that, that's his input. Yeah. That's it for this. Yeah. Loyal's Loyal's just fascinated at the fact that they're Tavirin. Um <laughs> so, you know, um like I said, Gil starts to believe his story and um uh, and, and and Gil says, Well, if this is true. You have to leave the city right yeah. now um, before your friend, friends get here. You need to get out. And, and Ren's really confused by this, but Gil says, Elida will come for you. Um, and um, kind of sets this urgency that they, he needs to leave. Yeah, it says, Elida's queen, Morgase's advisor, right next to Ca- uh, Captain General Gareth Bryn himself, maybe ahead of him. If she sets the queen's guards looking for you, Lord Gareth won't stop her unless she interferes with their other duties. Well, the guards can search every inn in Camelot in two days. So they know right off the bat that he didn't have much time. And I don't know that he really threw them off very hard either. And we don't know what type of spy network is set up in the city. We don't know what the queen has established. We don't know what uh, our, our lady Aes Sedai has set up in her city, like all the cats that are around, maybe she can control the cats or something. Like, you know, who who knows who she has spying for her, you know. 
Yeah, and so if we reach back, like, uh, I don't know if it was me or Chris, but I, I at least definitely agreed with it about how uh, Queen Morgays might not actually be in charge, that Aleda is using her as a puppet. But then during that interaction with the Queen, um, you know, I kind of, I, I backpedaled on that a little bit because she definitely took what uh, Aleda had to say under advisement and everybody else, but she made her own decision and she seemed very independent. But then you have this worry from Master Gill that, okay, that's fine that, you know, the queen gave you the blessing to go ahead and, and leave, didn't see you as the threat. But that doesn't mean Aleda isn't going to come after you. So we, we're back to this uh, power struggle um, of some sorts, you know, at the court there, where, where the mm -hmm. queen ultimately, yeah, what she says counts, but Aleda still has her people and her minions and and her uh, her control over the realm there uh, that Master Gill is very much worried about. So it's real. Sure. Yeah, and um, you know, Gill offers the help. Obviously, he's a real good guy. But then you get this next scene where Loyal wants to go with Rand, and Rand, you know, immediately says, "You know, it's after me. I've told you all the stories already. Um, you really shouldn't come." Uh, he says, "Why do you want to come anyway?" And, and Loyal's line to him is like, "You stand at the heart of it." And gives Rand a chill because it's exactly what Elida had said to him. Yeah, he says, You um, truly are Tavir and Rand. The pattern weaves itself around you and you stand in heart of it. And then Tan has the thought, you know, this man stands at the heart of it, which is what Elida said. And says Rand felt chilled. He's like, I don't stand at the heart of anything. You can you can see the development here. You can really get get a feeling for the very simple fact that He's honestly trying to fight against what is predetermined. So the pattern definitely has weaved its way around him. And we're about to see some stuff happen, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I'm Alan, I'm starting to understand your appreciation for Loyal. Um, you know, just because of the, the type of people he comes from, he's already pretty cool. But uh, he's kind of going against the grain for what the O'Gears traditionally do or what they're doing these days. Uh, and his motivation is you hinted right at it. I mean, he, he doesn't just want to read about stuff in books. He wants to go experience. Mm -hmm. He doesn't, he doesn't want to just hear someone tell him a story about this, this garden or something that the O'Gears built many years ago for men. Like he wants to go see it for himself. And then well, while he's hanging out here, he sees this guy and his story unfolding, Rand and his story unfolding. He's like, man, there's going to be some cool shit happening here. And he totally understands the danger. I mean, he's not naive, uh, but he just knows whatever cool story is going to happen in the next month, two months, whatever, everything that's unfolding right now, the best stories are going to happen around this cat, and he wants to be there for it. So uh, just knowing you a little bit, Alan, and knowing myself, like I, I – uh, I, I resemble that remark. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. so, yeah. And so right as this, this interaction kind of comes to the end, Rand agrees saying, okay, fine, you can come with me. And right as soon as that happens, I think one of the, the maids, barmaids comes in and says, the white cloaks are in the common room, you know, and, um, and, you know, Master Gill says, you know, loyal stay here. Don't want to freak them out anymore. And Rand follows Master Gill into the common room. Um, the white cloaks are there looking for dark friends and actually uh, names that they're looking for a two rivers boy. So we get to this next awesome little scene. It's a short scene, but it's a, 
I, I enjoy it. <laughs> Before we get that far, I'd like to point out that Loyal is not going to let Master Kill give up on that Game of Stones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it says for uh, more of the guards Master Gill hired were spaced across the wall from him all industry paying no attention industriously excuse me paying no attention at all to the white cloaks I think it's really cool how um, the scene was kind of set here I know I kind of started in on the middle of the scene but that was the point that really stuck out to me Master Gill really isn't playing any games. He seems like this soft, lovable man, but he's got his goon squad. And, you know, <laughs> they kind of remind me a little bit of land. Like, they're just they're there. They're kind of pretending like they're not there. They're not really paying attention to anything, but they're actually paying attention to everything. And then you get these white cloaks that enter, and they're just like the most pompous jerks that you, you know, have. And right away they're just like i have no time for your dribble innkeeper i've been to 20 ends already today even a worse pigasty one than the last or excuse me every worst pigasty than the last and i see 20 more before the sun sets i'm looking for two dark friends or uh, four dark friends a boy from the two rivers of course he goes there are no dark friends in my establishment every man here is a good queen's man Yes, and we know all where Morgay stands. And that was a statement made by one of the white cloaks. So you can tell that they have no love for the queen. So right away, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, really? And then they make the comment, she stands. Uh, it was to the point, it was like, yeah, she's being controlled by her Tarvalon witch. And then all of a sudden, the entire mm-hmm. room just explodes explodes and that was the part that got <laughs> every, me. it's like this is the scraping of chairs was loud suddenly every man in the room was on his feet they stood still as statues with everyone staring grimly at the white cokes the under officer did not appear to notice but the four behind him looked around uneasily yeah it's, this actually reminds me of a of an incident happened in high school actually and not, and not that I'm proud of any of this, but Ian was there actually so um oh oh so we were driving to a sailing competition of all things because like I said, we sailed in high school Ian, Ian and I did, and there was like three cars in a line. I accidentally cut a guy off, and it was actually a completed accident like you're trying to follow people in high school, a new driver, not really that great, cut him off. At the next stoplight, this guy has road rage, gets out of the, his car and like comes up to my window and starts banging to my window, telling me to get out of the car. He wants to yell at me. Yeah. All the cars around us were other people on our team. Like um, they all opened their car doors, and next thing you know, twenty people all got out. I think one of them had a hockey stick <laughs> in his hand. Like, <laughs> yep. I, w- I won't name names, but the guy behind us, he gets out, and he's he was the crazy one of the bunch. I yeah. wasn't the crazy one of the bunch. He was. He was. And uh, he. He had it was either a hockey stick or a baseball, or a baseball he had bat. Something. something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's out there. Let's just get back in your yeah. car now. The guy's uh, backed uh, up. Like, yeah, reminds me of that scene. Like, and I was, I was just saying sorry to the guy. Like, I was like, dude, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. But like, the other guys that I was with were kind of a little more. A little, but it reminds me a lot of this uh, scene. Uh, uh, <laughs> one, yeah, uh, I love how Master Gill took charge. Um, 
right right when the under officer had enough and I, I guess he was about to order the dragon's fang to have him like draw it on the door or whatever but he starts to talk about it and he was like the dragon's fang and master guild just interrupts won't won't help you five <laughs> like yeah you can try but y'all ain't gonna make it out of here so you need to choose <laughs> and then like like you're talking to a fucking toddler starts counting to three for him i fucking <laughs> love it he's like one and then you know, so this guy, the under officer, trying to save a little face. You must be mad. What are you thinking? Da 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 da, da threatening us. And he just goes, "White cloak, so no rent, Camelin." Two, and he's like, "Can you really believe this will end here?" Three, and then this guy's like, "Uh, we'll be back." You know, I'm leaving because I want to leave, not because you're counting. And uh, I think your guys could whoop our ass, but uh, mm-hmm. that was a that was a very cool scene. I will back up just a little bit, and I, I have to admit. Uh, even though initially looking at the chapter title, I'm like, ah, oh, they're going to reunite. I didn't really put two and two together. These guys come in and they're looking for. Baron. Um, yeah, okay, but but that's not that's not what I thought at first. I thought the same as Rand. That wait, why are these guys now looking for him? Like his word got around, and who's working for who? Like it just didn't click that they would be looking for Perrin and Egwene. Uh, I thought they were coming after Rand for so, so it didn't click until the end, and I was like, "Oh shit, you're such a moron, Ian!" Like I, I, I think I hurried past well, see, that I too fast. I had two thoughts on it, but it was the the verbiage: a boy from the two rivers, not boys from the two rivers. So I, I do get very technical when mm-hmm. I look at the words, and sometimes that's good, and sometimes it isn't. And when I saw that they were looking for a single boy, and I know that would just the scene that just happened with Nynaeve and. Um, Moraine and Land, like I knew that they were had it been looking for him, and plus, you know, they're trying to put him to death for the murder of their yeah. brethren, and then you've got Matt mm-hmm. and you've got Rand, who honestly they don't really know much about unless somebody's out there snitching because they're not dark friends, they're not sensing them. They're not after them for the power. Mm-hmm. So they're not really that aware of them right now. True. You had that yeah. small crew from like so, two cities ago that were kind of after them for, you know, their mischievousness, but nothing as serious as taking out two of their comrades. Right. So I, I just want to point out that I allowed myself to be vulnerable there. And I mentioned something that, that maybe I didn't read correctly the first time. Uh, and then Chris began to show how it was so <laughs> obvious. Me, like, I shouldn't have missed it. Look, it was right there. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. No, and, and it was like, that was just me. That was me rushing through as I read to get to the reunion. Um, yeah, but it, it was, I should have no, picked but, up on that. But, right. So, and yeah. I said I had two sides of that. The second thought that I had, because I did the same thing you did, and I rushed through it, and then I I pulled a U, and for the first time I reread a chapter. Because, <laughs> because at first I was like, there you go. So maybe, and this is me having my little con- my my conspiracy theorist going on, like maybe our peddler has caught up with his white cloak buddies, and he's like. Rand is in town. I saw him because maybe he's the beggar. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like no, that you're no, trying no, to throw I, me a no, bone now. That was... I appreciate that. But <laughs> no. that, that was my, my yeah. thought at first because I read through it in a, a haste to get to 
the end because I want to get to yeah, yeah. where everybody yeah. gets back together. I can give a damn about the White Cloak at this point. <laughs> which yeah. is the, And that being is... said, the, the beggar is the one guy we didn't really tie a loose end to here. So that, I mean, I, there's still a possibility of his involvement like that. Sure. And, and it is the next scene. I mean, um, uh, as soon as as soon as the white cloaks leave, Gil turns to the man and says, "You you need to hide now." But then someone comes in the kitchen. One, I think, another one of the barmaids comes out. So someone's in the kitchen looking and actually asking for Rand by name. And Rand's super freaked out at this point. Like, is it a light has found me already? I think is what going through his head. You know, like that was fast. And it says it's a lady asking for, it. and it clicks with Rand exactly who it is. And he takes off running to the kitchens. <laughs> and like, and Gil's like, "Wait, we don't know who it is yet." And he's like. He already knows. And <laughs> yeah, the gang's back. <laughs> this is one of those scenes in the series they have got to do right. And because in Lord of the Rings in the movies, they did some reunion scenes that they went so over the top with the really white lights and just the soft cloths and the everybody's all cleaned up and huggy and like super sappy music. Like they went so over the top with it that they actually ruined the freaking scene. Like, I think I vomited in a couple of the scenes where they got together and were hugging each other. But at the same time, you still got to make it a big deal because I mean, it is a big moment of relief for all of them. Uh, even, even Moraine, there needs to be like a, a sign of relief uh, on her face. She can't be too stone cold about this because it, mm-hmm. it, it's a big deal at this point. I agree yeah. with that statement. I just, I, I love that scene. It's yeah. just like Matt, or excuse me, Rand has the realization that he never mentioned Matt when he was in the royal court. So then he like lit up, huge smile, and then he took off for the kitchen. Like, I could see that. Now that we, mm-hmm. for those that don't know, are in our bonus episode, we, we reviewed some important information and, and have uh, experienced some, some characters in real life now. And I had this picture of, of what Rand looks like in my mind, goofily running to the kitchen, just like you said, and that, like, literally <laughs> slow-mo, like, who knows? But yeah. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, you know, Moraine's there. The innkeeper says, well, obviously you probably stay at the palace. And she says, no, I'll just stay here at the end. Um, and, and Moraine asks about the rats and says she can take care of that for them. Uh, you know, parents hide in his eyes. It has his whole entire interaction with all of them. So Moraine's going to take care of the rats. Um, Nadeev, you know, uh, everyone's there. Everybody's hugging. Everybody's happy. And then Moraine says, well, let me talk to Master Gill. You guys just go up to see Matt. So, um, before we move on to this next scene, anything from that scene we did we missed? Well, no, we 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 brushed on the the overall joy that everybody had and the the inevitable doubt of never being able to see each other, and then of course now they're here laughing and crying and hugging and everything all at the same time, which is really cute. You know, they've been separated for not for for not very long actually, but I guess it seemed like a lifetime to them and they've all kind of changed in their own ways. So I think it's really cool. Yeah. And, and also, I don't know if it's significant, but I want to point out the little blip of Nynaeve. Like she's still in all of this excitement, doesn't relinquish her primary duties <laughs> towards these boys. Uh, it says, Rand tried to hug the two women and shake Perrin's hand all at the same time. And it was a tangle of arms and laughter complicated by Neve trying to feel his face for fever. 
So like, <laughs> she's not even letting the emotion overcome her. She's like, let me check you, son. You've been away from me for too long. Are you okay? Ba, 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 ba. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, yeah. I underline that. I don't know if, you know, sure. may, maybe she drops that act at some point, but she's very, yeah. still very protective of her boys and, still, and looking still out. Still and have bear. we really yep, talked yep, yep, about yep. why Moraine wouldn't want help from the palace, why she wouldn't want to go speak and the Aes Sedai there just left my mind. Her name did. But why she would Elida, why Eli- she Elida. wouldn't want to get help Elida. from Elida? Uh, not, I mean, not up until this, uh, not up until this like, point. I, I, I'm right there with yeah. our innkeeper, Master Gill. I'd be like, yo, you're, you're an Aes Sedai. Go be with your people. And I'm, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, so Early on, we did talk about or we theorized that, uh, you know, we heard about uh, the dragon Loghain or the false dragon. And obviously, I said I would be chasing him and there were other bigger things going on. But then Moraine was on this solo mission to go find these boys and to bring mm-hmm. them back to Tar Valon. So we did kind of theorize that maybe she's some part of some other sect or maybe even within that sect of Aes Sedai, she's kind of gone off uh, on her own, chasing her own mission. Uh, mm-hmm. So we brushed on it early on, which some of it, I mean, we got to get some points. It's somewhat true. You know, she's sure. in, she's in a, uh, obviously a difference between her and uh, Elida, sure. different sect of Aes Sedai and uh, different intentions. The different Ashas, which we'll get into more, right. I think yeah. a couple chapters, but yeah. Yeah. Because they start talk, they talk about it a little more, but yeah. So uh, Perrin asks also while they're heading up about Tom. He says, "Where's Tom?" And Rand says, "Tom's dead," and tells the story briefly about the fade. Um, he said uh, he thinks he's dead. He's okay. not sure. He's not certain. <laughs> Stop trying to kill Tom. We've kept him alive this long. Let's keep him alive. All right. <laughs> Tom the White. Tom the White. Uh, just like Gandalf, he's going to come back, right? Um, yeah, so Tom, Tom the White um, <laughs> might be dead. Um, and and Rand said, uh, all he could say was just, there was a fade. Um, then they get to the room and Matt's curled up in a ball. Um, Matt doesn't even believe that any of them are real, are the real people. And Matt's just being super strange. Um, you know, and then he starts to pick at each person in the room. You know, he's like picking out Nadeev and Egwene and just kind of going through the line and, and, and you know, being really nasty towards them. He's pretty naive. A wisdom isn't supposed to think of herself as a woman, is she? Not a pretty woman, but you do, don't you? Now, you can't make yourself forget that you're a pretty woman. Now, it frightens you. Everybody changes. That's the quote that, that part, everybody changes. He's hitting on a lot in mm-hmm. two simple words. Um, and it really does throw you off. It's like, where is this coming from? Like Matt is not this character. And we quickly learn mm-hmm. Matt's not that character. <laughs> it's like right. Moraine comes into the room yeah. and right away. She's like, get away from him. Yeah. yeah she, he hisses <laughs> when she sees Matt. Like, like the first reaction is like, I mean, I can just picture this, like, just like, just vile, like, that enough, um, just get you know get the hell away from him and uh, actually has to pull Nynaeve away because she's trying to help Matt 
I guess doesn't probably doesn't even understand how yeah, how, how bad quick it you know, steps actually is, sees but... the wisdom by the shoulders, hauling her across the floor like a sack of grain. Nani struggled and protested, but Moraine did not release her until she was well away from the bed. Like, something serious is wrong. And she's like, all of you stay away from him and be quiet. So you could tell she's kind of reading the room and, and I guess working whatever magic she could to figure out what was going on. And it said a convulsion shook him at her touch. A shudder of revulsion spasming through his entire body, and abruptly he pulled one hand out, slashing at her face with the ruby-hilted dagger. So here is this like first real attempt at offing somebody, simply because of what appeared to be a touch. But we know that she was really testing him to see what was going on. Yeah. So it's it's funny how we can read through these scenes and different things jump out at us. <clears throat> I mean, so obviously th- those parts are important, but one, uh, when Matt started talking, if you weren't reading that in <laughs> Gollum's voice, then shame on you because you should have, uh, at yep. least I did. Uh, and then, so I underlined this. I don't really have any comments on it. Um, and maybe I'm missing something. So Chris, maybe you could fill me in if I'm forgetting something. But when he talks about Egwene, he says, pretty Egwene, pretty is naive. And you share other things now, don't you? Other dreams. What do you dream about now? Uh, so I, I circled that. And I never really came back to it uh, when I reread the chapter, but not certain what he's talking about. But I don't think Matt is crazy. So you can't just think of this as crazy talk. There is some sort of uh possession influence right um that might have the ability to sense and see things so you got to assume that maybe there's some truth to what he's calling out here so with Egwene, like what are these things that she's sharing with Nynaeve what are these other dreams I mean with Nynaeve is he just referencing their ability to uh you know use the one true power like their potential to become eyes to die uh, what other the dreams Amberlin. is he referencing to? I don't know. Maybe is he, is he talking about other boys? How do you pronounce I don't know. It the Amberlins? I can't say it today. The seat, help me. Uh, yes, the uh, Amberlin seat. The, the, the Amberlin seat. Like that. That's where my yeah. mind went. But I mean, the, the, seat. the dream is now the power. Like they both can tap into the power. They both realize that you know, being a wisdom is just being an untrained Aes Sedai, they've, they've got this realization now and they both want to be able to use the power. And we now have, we've seen and we've heard that they both have the potential to be just as good, if not better than each other. Like it's kind of a back and forth between the two of them. Yeah. One will be greater than the other. It's just who will be at this point. So, yeah. So Maureen moves close to Matt. Matt immediately tries to stab Maureen and land. Like with the quickness comes, yeah, just yeah. across the room and just like stops like mid swing, Matt's arm like like it hits stone wall, um, like it's nothing. Um, no, I thought that I thought this was awesome. This was the next thing I had highlighted. Uh, one minute, land was in the doorway. The next, he was at the bedside, as if he had not bothered with the intervening space. Um, I you know simple writing there, nothing too fancy. But y'all know by now, I'm a huge Land fan as far as just, just his 
uh, warrior type, yeah, his abilities and whatnot. But that was a great way of describing it. It's like the second there's a threat to Moraine, like she was in in control in that room, getting everybody out of the way. But the second there was a legit threat to Moraine, like he closed that distance instantly. Pow was there and settled things. So <laughs> more props to Land. He's the man. I agree. And Moraine asked about the blade, you know, but she knows what the blade is almost immediately. Um, oh, she yeah. knows she knows it belongs to Mordeth. Uh, explains kind of about the blade and, and a few things that we didn't know beforehand. Like one thing, the dagger is calling fades and dark friends alike. Um, we had predicted that a while back. I think yeah. Action for Kings, one of you guys actually said um, – said might be the dagger that's that's drawing these dark friends to them uh, but then you guys changed your theory <laughs> halfway through the sentence uh, which, which which we all we all thought was hilarious because it's like it's like maybe it's the dagger no no probably it's probably this other thing we're like oh you had it <laughs> <laughs> um, well we still get a half a point for that yeah, half, half. exactly so but um yeah the dagger that's why along the along the road it, it seemed like everywhere they went they, you know it's like and even i think it was goad was it yeah it was goad um and then four kings said you know it's like waves or something like that i can feel it yeah coming off your eyes um yeah it's the dagger that was doing that it's like a homing beacon um so at, at this point they also go into land saying there are trollocs outside the city um and, uh, he's he's seen evidence of them for two days and that they're building an army um and it's just a matter of time before they invade the city what does that say about me as the reader we're like i'm i'm less worried about these trollocs and fades at this point i'm like ah you know a thousand trollocs and uh, you know a dozen fades fuck it yeah we got this whatever that's no big deal let's move on to fixing Matt. we got time yeah i mean yeah yeah Yeah. i think i think you know i think robert jordan has a really good job at that too like definitely as you grow the characters like certain things become less scary and other things become more like you know, they keep on leveling up, you know, things that are more scary. So like when we first saw Trolloc in book or chapter five, Winter Night, when Narg and all of them bust the door. Narg. <laughs> Terrifying. Now it's like, that's oh, just Trollocs again. <laughs> we've got worse shit yeah. to worry about. We've got fades. We've got eyes to die. We've got <laughs> Yeah. But Trollocs is still terrifying. Don't get it wrong. But it's uh there's a lot of stuff going on. Um so but yeah, so they're building an army. Anything else you want to talk about that? Thoughts? I'm good. Okay. So um, uh, Perrin says, you know, I think he makes the comment, we're better dead. Um, and that's kind of the next thing I had highlighted as Perrin just being down himself. Just, you know, yeah, better if we were all dead than they have to deal with this. And, and Moraine kind of snaps at him saying, you know, if you're dead, you can't help anyone. Um just a good point. I like I like this I little like talk. The, the very simple fact yeah, that Moraine seems to be kind of losing a little bit of her control here. The words that so many ifs mm-hmm. just stick out to me. She's almost reflecting and she's realizing that there are options to the pattern. And she just doesn't know mm-hmm. which way to go. And she's kind of waiting to be led almost. Right. So I think that that's really good to pay attention to. It's just the simple fact that in the very beginning of the book, like she was the ish, like she was the one that knew everything, that had control over everything, that had the ultimate power. And now she's slowly kind of slipping into a little bit of helplessness. 
because she feel like she feels like everything mm-hmm. is predetermined and she's literally just going right along with sure. the pattern. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there there's that and obviously we get into it uh a little bit more in the next chapter, but uh with Rand being the um what was it Tiberian? And then um you know, I don't want to jump ahead, but like there's there's already hints that it, it's either going to be Rand, Perrin, or Matt. And of course, maybe all three. Um, shoot, maybe even Egwene and um, Nynaeve. But having this ability to uh, break free from the pattern, change the pattern, like maybe push outside of their destiny, um, whether they're pushed by somebody else or whether they make those changes themselves, whatever. So that's that's part of the frustration I was reading here. Um, you know, maybe before all of this, it was a little bit easier for someone like her to get a sense of the way the pattern is weaving and have a better prediction about what's going to happen, uh, sensing danger, all that jazz, but being surrounded by these boys. And again, whether it's someone influencing them or them being able to influence things, so much is is becoming cloudy it's kind of like you know when yoda just keep everybody looks to him for the answers and yoda's like oh the, the, the dark side has made her things hard to see blah 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 you know this is this is where she's at there's all these ifs and she can't see clearly about what the way ahead is mm-hmm. yeah so after all this moraine says i need to attend to matt everyone has to kind of end the conversation and tells everybody I have to leave but before everybody leaves of course, Matt's still trying to stab Moraine through all this. Like it actually mentions that. Like through all this, Matt's still trying to stab. <laughs> like, and um, and she explains more about the dagger, um, saying that it will eventually kill him. It's surprising it hasn't killed him yet, and eventually Matt will be get, Matt will become uh, basically more death. And just by being close to him, you'll get infected. It's like a disease, and he'll actually just, he could actually destroy the entire world. Um, and that's kind of where we end this chapter on this note that like we're lucky Moraine showed up when she did because Matt's on the verge of just it really could just start to spread and really yeah <laughs> be really bad. <laughs> you know they're worried about trucks and fades and all this other stuff, and here's Matt here that's about to destroy the entire like a walking nuclear bomb or whatever you want to call it, like about to literally destroy the whole entire world. And um, uh, good timing. So, and we had no idea even yeah. up to this that has well, the first time that the, the term the shadow has been used as a person, as a noun. Because that was I something don't know if I it highlighted. Um, when Perrin was talking about it'd be better off being dead because they bring pain to er- and suffering to everyone, she said that the Lord of the Grave, which I know he used at least once or twice, has gained as much freedom to touch the pattern as I mm-hmm. fear. He can reach your you dead more easily than alive. Now, dead you can help him, help no one, not the people who have helped you, not your friends and family back in the two rivers. The shadow is falling over the world, and none of you can stop it. Dead shadow being capitalized, making it a noun. Um, so it's like. Mm-hmm. You know, we all of these titles for the same person. Can we please pick a name and go with it? Quit trying <laughs> to confuse the heck out of me. <laughs> well, I think also it just shows the the depth of different character, our cultures in this world. So the 
each culture has different names for different things. And the same way in, in, in our world. I mean, obviously, with the invention of the internet and things like that, we've now uh, shrunk that a whole lot. But definitely, same thing had a yeah. lot of different names. You yeah. got you got crawdad, you got crawfish, you got mud bug, you got pecans, you got pecans. I mean, it depends on whether you're talking about the nut or the pie or, you know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly so that kind of wraps up this chapter anything we missed or anything else that uh um that you guys want to talk no, about from this chapter before we move on all right then moving on to chapter 42 remembrance of dreams it's the name and the icon is we get ravens again so we talked a lot about the ravens last couple of times i think they're in there and towards the beginning i think we had a one at the time too but um but yeah so Let's talk about the, ti- ti- the t- chapter title and anything you want to talk about there besides being 42. Uh, 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 uh. But that's the most important part. <laughs> you talk about that too. Go for it. 42 yeah. So I, <laughs> yeah. So that is the answer to the question. Um, not sure what the question is still. <laughs> but uh so I, I jokingly said oh chapter 42 we're going to learn about the meaning of life here and honestly in this very short chapter i think we get more revelation more answers than we've gotten uh throughout the entire book a lot a, a lot of things get tied off i mean obviously there's still a lot of questions but um it was pretty cool and, and then you know the debbie downer i'm looking at the ravens i'm like you know fuck you odin and you know, spying for the dark one. That's, that's lame. Um, remembrance yeah. of dreams. I didn't read into that too much. I just, I don't know. Sure. I saw dreams. So I assume we get more dream sequence. I probably should have looked into it, thought about it a little bit deeper than that, but I didn't. So, yeah. Yeah. and then we all know what happens. We yeah. do all know what happens. And that's the crazy thing. When I read the remembrance of dreams, I was like, all right, so we're finally going to get to a point where we get some people fasting up about dreams. Now, what that has to do with the rest of the book, I don't know, but I'm super excited to find out. And that was really all I thought about at that point. Go ahead. Don't say the Ravens really, like at this point, we know they are, you know, servants of the Dark One and that I left them alone. I'm like, all right, we know what this means now. It's time to move on. I'm ready to read. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so. I was going to post a picture of me getting ready for tonight's episode, uh, but I'm laying on my bed. So I had the two phones and I had my pillow sitting there that I kind of lay on while I'm reading the book and talking. And then I had my towel sitting next to it. And I was like, I don't think I should post that. People are going to read into that way too much. So yeah, we, <laughs> we, we skipped that image, but now you have it. Think about it. Enjoy. No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So the group, the group goes uh, back downstairs, uh, leaves Moraine with, with, uh, with Matt, and, and Rats, Rand, Rand's trying to, uh, trying to ignore Perrin's eyes. Um, he knows something's weird about it, and he's trying to sh- just kind of ignore it. But Perrin's obviously trying to hide his eyes too. It's a weird situation. That, um, and, and the next scene, they go into the library, um, and, and. Forgot to tell everybody about Loyal, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> so I just love this. So we'll just go to this next scene. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, whoops. By the way, um, it's an O gear, not a Trolloc. Uh, my bad. <laughs> which 
I guess with all the excitement and everything going on, I, I could see the oversight. Uh, but then I think about the amount of time that's gone by since Rand met Loyal, and you would think it would still be a bit of a shock surprise to him. So, like, it should have stood out a little bit more. But anyways, don't matter. Yeah. Um, was was very funny. But Loyal, like, it's almost like he doesn't care anymore when people get all surprised as long as they're not trying to kill him. You know, <laughs> if they came in sh- shouting Trolloc and chasing him with swords, he probably would have been bothered. But all the other shock looks and the oh, my God looks like he's used to it. So he doesn't care. Sure. So yeah. like when I read through this, I was a little bit, I, I was really looking for, for pieces of things that really caught my attention. And Rand's reaction to Matt really kind of threw me a little bit. Just due to the simple fact that you've already had so much going on that you just didn't expect anything to happen to Matt. Did you, were you really that caught up in yourself or caught up in, what's been going on around you that you didn't think that Matt would have something serious going on. And then to think about parent and to kind of avoid that, like each, each of those two boys have had some serious things happening to them and with them. And then you got Rand Mm -hmm. who isn't really like going through it as hard. Like I, you know, I kind of had this thought, I'm like, yo, what, Where's Rand's challenge? Where's his like mo his epiphany moment? Like where is his big deal? Like, mind you, we have this feeling that he's using the source and that he's, you know, using power. But you know, he minus the fact that he got a little sick there, he's not really getting put through much. So that kind of threw me a little bit. But then I also want to say, I, I love what Loyal is doing. Like I can see big old old gear sitting back on the couch chillaxing um because that's what i do (laughs) Uh, yeah but anyway yeah so you know rand goes and introduces everyone to to loyal and they immediately start asking a bunch of questions uh perrin wants to know about the steady uh because you know he had been to a study so he wants to know all about them and loyal's happily to to answer these, these questions and while all that's happening, Rand starts thinking about Matt. Uh, and while he's thinking about Matt, Matt comes down, looks so much better. Looks like his old self. <laughs> well, I love how Loyal has to put his little dig in because it's like Loyal looks up at their, at his, um, Loyal took their gaping in his stride. Rand supposedly, uh, supposedly he hardly noticed it compared to the mob shouting Trolloc. And the eyes to die, he asked Rand. And he's like, upstairs with Matt. Yogir raised one bushy eyebrow thoughtfully. Then he is ill. I suggest we all be seated. She'll be joining us. And it's like, a question. Yes. Then there's nothing to do but wait. So, like, for him to not really have much interaction with the crew, he already understands the dynamics really well. And he's like, we can talk all day, but whatever we decide here in this room means absolutely nothing until Moraine, and he doesn't know who Moraine is, the Aes Sedai, joins us because she's ultimately leading this group. And he was very aware that Mm. Matt was ill. You know, he may not have been able to describe the illness. He may not have been able to place it or help out, but... He's got so much hidden wisdom 
then I just want to know what role he plays throughout the next 14 books. Sure. <laughs> that's that's my only answer yeah. to that. I'm not going to yeah, tell that, you. That was, a que- that was a question, but I know I'm not getting any answers tonight. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can tell you anything. <laughs> Look, if, if he tries to tackle a fade in the next chapter and then air quotes dies like <laughs> Tom, I'm going to be very upset. Uh, yeah. It's, it's the recurring thing that happens every yeah. couple of chapters. Ooh, a cool the, new character we like. Fade, fade, son uh, of a bitch. Oh, yeah. The never-ending story. A luck dragon? Yeah. Yeah. Falcor? Falcor? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, so Moraine explains what she's done to Matt. She's temporarily healed him. He's not. He's not completely healed. Uh, Matt's the dagger's now bound to Matt. Um. Um, and it'll eventually start to take it back over again. So, you know, Moraine explains all that. Um, and also, Moraine's able to take away the dagger's ability to call the dark friends and be a beacon. So that's some betterment. But at the same time, Matt's not out of the weeds yet, obviously. Um, um, you know, Matt's good for right now and doesn't really remember much at all from any of the travels. Um, but um, Yeah, everything's going to be fine, though, because when they get to Tarvalon, they'll be able to... Uh, with the other eyes that eyes help remove the dagger from him, and that's exactly. their next stop. So everything's okay. Like the, right. the book's pretty much over. <laughs> right. We've exactly. Solved the problem. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and to, and to, until the very next scene. So. Um, right. Like next paragraph. Wait a yeah, minute. Well, yeah. Well, well the next paragraph, loyal or uh, Moraine, uh, loyal and Moraine meet, and Moraine well, pretty before, much immediately tells. Before we go that far, I'm going to back us up really quickly. Sure. I think it's of course. interesting. <laughs> yeah, because that's what Chris does. I think it's interesting it. that she uses I cleanse the taint from him. <laughs> she washed his taint. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just as funny as when I read it the first time. But so uh, like sorry. No, you're good, but I just like the taint, what is the taint? Like now we've associated well. <laughs> what is the taint in regards to this book? <laughs> because we've tied the taint. Oh, okay, so no, yeah, it's all good. We've tied the taint now to the 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 male power and how it's corrupting the the power in general. But now we're also tying it back to um to the blade, which came from um. Oh, the name of the city won't come to my mind when I want it to. Shadow Logoth. Like, so we're using this term interchangeably for many things, or are they one and the same? Like, that was my question. Well, if they're the same or if there's strong similarities, if the taint can be removed from this little dagger with the right kind of help or enough help from enough eye to eye or enough whatever can the taint be removed from the male half of one true power question mark maybe don't know stay tuned it's like these are my questions you are reading my mind yeah <laughs> book 14 book, wait, say book 14 because clearly that's one that'll only happen at the very end if it happens um marine asks loyal to leave and Rand immediately breaks in saying he's promised loyal can come um and this is where the wheel weaves yep mm-hmm. weaves to the will wills and 
um, they, they start kind of planning. They have to leave to Tarvalin. Um, so the next scene, Rand tells Moraine about the palace story and, and Egwene immediately asks about Elaine. Well, who's Elaine? <laughs> it's a cute little scene, um, you know, where obviously Egwene's getting a little jealous. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can tell there. Um, and you learned a little bit more about our gears. They sing to trees. Um, but then Loyal says, well, I always wanted to ask an eyes to die question. Can I ask you a question, Moraine? She's like, sure. It's like, well, there's this man that came to a studying years, like feels like 20 years ago. And he said, the dark ones plan to blind the eye of the world uh, and slay the great serpent. He says in time itself, like, is that even possible? Like, how does, how does that, does, is that, is that something that can actually happen or what, what does that mean? And, um, and Perrin immediately goes, well, that's what the Tinker said. The Tinker said a guy a few years ago came and said the same thing to him. Yeah, the Aiel story. Uh, yeah, the Aiel story. The Tinker, the Aiel tell the Tinkers. And, and Moraine gets super worried real fast. And then, and then they start telling about their dreams. He goes, like, and then, then yeah, like Balsamon told us to us in their dreams. Like, and Moraine's like, hold on, time out. What? <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so here, yeah, yes. I guess this thing. Yeah. This was a great buildup, and this is one of those moments I wonder how different it would have felt if we were reading like straight through like our normal pace. Because uh, it seems like forever ago, uh, where Rand first started having the dreams, or even when Perrin heard about this story, and uh, at least with the dreams, there was a thought between uh, Perrin and Matt and Rand to keep them from Moraine because there was this distrust. But in the back of my mind as a reader, I'm thinking, Jesus, she knows so much more about everything. You need to tell somebody, like, clearly this is bad. So, like, I don't know. I've, I've just been anticipating this moment. And so everybody just starts dumping all this information out. You know, first pairing with his story from the IO men. Uh, well, I guess Loyal started it. And then the dreams and everything. And I'm just like, fuck, yes, finally. Like, and I'm waiting for some super wise comments from Moraine to just solve all of their problems, which we kind of get and we don't get. But uh, it, it was a, this is one of those moments where it's not exactly a battle scene or a fight scene, which normally gets me amped up. But uh, I flew through these last couple of pages of this chapter just as quick as any one of those, because I, I mean, we've been fighting, dancing around this moment for such a long time. Mm -hmm. I love yeah. how it was Perrin who finally decided to like drop the bomb on everybody. He's just like Bialgamon. Yeah. And then all of a sudden no one appeared to breathe. Perrin looked at Rand, then at Matt, his eyes strangely calm and more yellow than ever. At the time I was I wondered where I'd heard the name before the eye of the world. Now I remember don't you so here they are it's like sharing this moment amongst everybody else and it's like finally everybody else gets to know what we know finally we're going to get an answer so i definitely agree with you and i was right there waiting for like that huge like apex moment where we're going to get this grand understanding of everything and it's like eh, okay plans are changed <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you know they start spilling their guts about the dreams um and moraine kind of gets up it's visibly upset about this you know she said i asked you in the beginning about the dreams like chapter 
too <laughs> yeah very very early on like i could have helped you guys now it's too late like obviously he's been he's been in your dreams for a while like this is serious um this is you know if he shows up again you can you know just start denying him um you know uh, you know it will it, not stop him from hunting them um by denying them but at least they'll keep them from serving him um at this point. Yeah. Well, I thought it was neat. Also, she said there has not been a dream walker in Tarvalon for nearly a thousand years yeah. mm-hmm. and underlying dream walker. I mean, I'm assuming that's what, uh, Baal-Zaman is doing or acting as. Yeah. Um, but underline it, hoping she got into that a little bit more, uh, not yeah. quite, but yeah. I mean, it's almost self-explanatory from what we've seen so far. Sure. Yeah. And, um, and then also he talks about, you know, how, um, that Balsam had told him that that the Aes Sedai were using these people, false dragons were using them. Um, and you get the kind of comment that Aes Sedai hunt false dragons, right? Not use them, right? So I had that question mark for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, we have always questioned why Moraine was actually after them and what her ultimate goal was, like what she hoped to achieve. And we still don't know. We still have the impression or assumption, I do at least, that she's out for, you know, the best of them all. But at the same time, it's like she's not seeking any help. She's not going to somebody higher up, even though she's literally in the same city. Like, you know, why not make life easier on yourself? So I really need to know what (laughs) what she's actually trying to get out of all of it. Sure. And and the best she can reply with it whenever she speaks after the important shit, it, it gets me back to doubting her again. Cause her reply is the father of lies is a good name for the dark one. Yeah, no shit. Where do you know that? It was always his way to see the worm of doubt wherever he could. Okay, still you haven't answered the question. It eats at men's minds like a canker. When you believe the father of lies, it is the first step towards surrender. Oh, so now you're trying to use fear. I mean, that might be true, but you're still dodging the question. You're not giving answers. Remember, if you surrender surrender to the dark one, he will make you his. And then Rand very wisely thinks in italics, and I said, I never lies, but the truth she speaks may not be the truth you think you hear. Mm-hmm. So she kind of dodges that whole story or suggestion and she doesn't flat out deny it. I, I feel like if there was no, maybe it's not her, maybe it is, but if there were no Aes Sedai trying to control or use these false dragons for their own purposes, she would have just said so. But instead of denying it, she dodges the question. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, you're right, Alan. I, I definitely, I've got some highlights there and a, a WTF in the margin. So <laughs> but even if i don't know at this point she's still winning me over so even at this point if she is the type of Aes Sedai that's trying to identify uh this this new false dragon and use him for a purpose uh you would assume the purpose is different than what biazelman speaks of of breaking time itself um I don't know. I, w- I would I would think her purpose or those eyes that I that choose to use the dragon, maybe it's more for good. I'm doing the air quotes right now. If it's if it's that easy as good and bad. Yes. Yeah, so after all this, Loyal just looks and says all three of them are Tavir and Moraine agrees. Like 
I I was expecting to find one Tavira, and I found three. Like this is unheard of. <laughs> um, and at this point, you know, Moraine says we got to leave now, and we got to go to Blight uh, before the you know before the fates catch them or whatever. And I think I love Matt's reaction. I think it is that Matt's like the Blight. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> He's like, I just got over one Blight. <laughs> Let me not go back to the other. <laughs> I mean, these these guys have all heard of the blight for you know since they're kids. It's like horror stories. You know, you tell kids to scare them at night like that. You never would ever think of going there. And now, what? You know, after telling all the stories, all of a sudden Moraine says, "We're not going to Tarvalon. We're going to the blight," and they have no idea for why. The Green Man, of course. Um, right. Gonna, the Green Man must know. <laughs> uh, that's what what the yeah what the answer is, which is again cryptic to anyone. Uh, yep. To you guys, um, <laughs> yeah. So I question marks as far as what do you guys think about that? So um, this is the first time Jordan's lost me just a little bit in my in my ability to relate to it. Um, there's there's all sorts of stuff that you know in high school and college I did that was just absolutely crazy. I've been in just ridiculous situations. Uh, Alan, there's been times when you and I, after a crazy night or event, would look at each other and be like, shit, no, we have to tell our parents this is serious. Or shit, this is serious, we need to go to the hospital. Or shit, this is serious, we need to go to IHOP. But never have we looked at each other and gone, holy shit, we need to go to Canada. So, (laughs) like, it's difficult for me to really, you know associate with this but i guess you know it's his story i'll let him tell it i'll go along with him to the blight yeah hey, there you go so yeah uh, they go find you have to go find the green men which is an allegory for mounties um <laughs> <laughs> i didn't even think of that That's we, gotta, we gotta warn the mounties about uh, oh my goodness <laughs> sorry canadian listeners we got a bunch in chat right now they're going crazy but uh <laughs> no i always oh, I say it with love it's with love, yeah, love Canada. um so um, you know, Moraine says we have to move right now, and she says, um, probably the best way to get in there because the city's surrounded by Trollocs and Fades. They have to get there fast. We should probably use the ways. And, you know, the pattern's probably doing some purpose because we actually have an oak gear here, which is perfect because we need an oak gear to go the ways. Like everybody's looking at her like she has three heads, and Loyal just kind of says, No, <laughs> we're <laughs> not using the ways. Um says if we use the ways, all of us are gonna die. You know, like the ways are closed for a reason. Um, You know, he puts his foot down. We're not going. And ends that that chapter, which originally I was going to end the episode there. Aren't you glad I added the last one? (laughs) Yeah. So bad. No, I definitely would have kept reading. You've done done well with combining chapters recently. Sure. Uh, So I hope they do a good job of building up Loyal as this, a uh, character who kind of breaks the mold of his people. I think that's that's important as a build up to him being so emphatic that they just they don't do this. Um, he seems a little bit more carefree and speaks slowly and everything. But when you consider him compared to other Ogiers, he's young. He's in his teenage years. He takes chances. He wants to go out and see the world instead of just reading about it. Da, 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 da. He's like, man, I just want to experience things. And then she goes, let's go through the ways. And he's like, Burp. fuck no, that's where I draw the line. Like, <laughs> So for, for him to pump the brakes like that pretty hard is fairly significant. So 
um, even before I moved on, obviously Moraine was going to talk him into it. Uh, he don't know who he's dealing with. They're going to go, right? But the danger is there. Uh, and and it's pretty significant. Like, this might be some crazy stuff where we lose a member of our party or the party gets separated again. Or, you know, this reunion might be very short-lived. But the, the waves are probably going to throw us through a, a pretty big loop here. Yeah. So before we get into the next chapter, what are you guys' initial thoughts when you heard the ways? I mean, we've heard the ways before. And I think a couple of chapters ago, Chris talked about that they might be lost for good. Now we're actually going into them. But uh, I think, you know, obviously we get more description next chapter, but we can't get your initial reaction now because you've read further. But um, um, just think back. What what, what are you guys' thoughts worth in this chapter? We've hinted at – there, there must be some sort of way for uh, the Trollocs, especially in the Fades, to be able to move in such big numbers and and not be seen. So is this, are the ways, is that how they were doing it? Were they utilizing that? Do they have access to it as well? Um, obviously, we don't have those answers now, but that's something I was thinking at the time. Hmm. Um, is there some sort of... Uh, Nope, never mind. No, I, I, I'm right there along the that same been line with you. Like we've been calling it shimmering and this, that, and the other. But do we have people now that have ways of controlling the ways? Like, you know, hmm. we we're thinking of it as a series of doorways established and set points. But you know, maybe it's how to say it, they established a doorway for people that do not have magic to open, but those that can manipulate the power can open the ways at certain, you know, in different moments. Like maybe the shadow was another way of opening the ways, or I'm trying to to piece it together in my mind, but maybe it's more or less touching the power that allows you to open this gateway. Um. And it's more about like the the explanation of what it is that kind of leads me to that. It's just like, and I, we don't get into that in this chapter, so let me be quiet. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. We're gonna get into this episode, I, but yeah, yeah. It, I even thought back briefly to the prologue, where it says he could not bear to remain any longer. Desperately, he reached out to the true source, to tainted Sadine, and he traveled. So. Was that the means in which he traveled? I mean, with his power, he wouldn't have to go through one uh, created by somebody else. Maybe he created one right then and there to travel. Um, was that the first way created that exists in this world now? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. separating yeah. all over the place. Maybe. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that ends this chapter. So any final thoughts before we move on to the next one? All right, chapter 43, Decisions and Apparitions. Um, apparitions. I don't know how to talk. I'm having too much rub. So Decisions and Apparitions. The icon is a dragon's fang. Um, uh, we've seen that, uh, that, that icon a whole lot. But um, we had choices before that we had decisions. So I don't know if Ian had something to add to this chapter title. But, yeah, let's talk about it. Danger. <laughs> um, I don't know. I kind of think... <clears throat> Having read the chapter, um, 
the fact that she lets Loyal give the whole story, everybody understands the danger. She she does have her her way where she essentially tells people this is really the only choice we have. But um, I think if any one of them would have wanted to back out at this point, I, I don't think I don't think anybody would have been too pissed at him. Yeah. So. So Ian's flirt. so decisions air quotes, but uh, yeah, yeah. Now, see, this is where I'm going to pull an Ian, and I'm like, what decision did they really have? <laughs> like, yeah. you gave them false choices throughout the entire last 42 chapters of the book. And now we're at them having to make the only decision that they're actually able to make, which is save the world or don't save the world. Well, hmm. had you actually given us a choice 23 chapters ago, then maybe we wouldn't be along for this ride at all. So we start the chapter. Um, you know, Rand starts asking questions about what, why, why can't we go to the ways? And Moraine just says, well, let Loyal says that she doesn't want to go, so let him tell you why. Um, so we get this story. So, um, and Ogier, he's trying to be brief, but obviously Ogier's when they tell stories, they, they go deep. So <laughs> I'll let you guys get thoughts on this story about yeah, what you think about the ways and how they're created, and you get the whole entire backstory. Do we really get how they were created, though? Well, yeah. So it says during the time of madness, um, you know, er- people were scattered everywhere uh, because the war was breaking. So that was right after. Um, yeah, we called the break it of the says world. We O'Gear were scattered to driven from the steeding into the mm-hmm. exile and the long wandering when the longing was graven on our hearts. Like, we get the why. Yeah, but so you get the... But you get the men who could channel. So so men who could channel would go crazy. So in a steadying, they couldn't touch the source. So some... We got that from a couple chapters ago. When Perrin was in there, they said... I think they they talked about that, too. Like, because... He felt something leave him. Oh, Egwene did. Egwene did. did. Sorry, Yeah. 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 So you're cut off. So men that could channel rather than going crazy went to the steadings as a way of not going crazy because you don't have to touch the true source if you can't touch it. So um, as a gift for being able to do that, they use the power to create the ways um, uh, to to basically link different parts of the world. Um, Eventually, the men did leave uh, just because that longing to be able to channel took over and they couldn't stay away from it. Uh, and eventually they all did leave. But before they left, they did create this whole entire system of of, of something, of, of passageways that you could travel from one stead to the other. And then also they gave the Ogier the ability to grow, grow like a living thing, grow way gates. Um, so they could, w- while they worked on cities, um, it, you know, afterwards, they could then grow a way gate so they can go back to their steadings with ease. Uh, by traveling the ways back and forth between the steadings and the yeah, cities. Like, so, I was wondering, like, the ways, like, is this something they created or something they're just giving access to? Like, is this something that's always, a, like, been there, always been a part of the world? Mm-hmm. Is it part of the one, the, the one power? Is it, you know, part of the source? Like, and they're just giving them 
you know, a, a bridge or a gate, like a gateway to it, essentially. But like, did they build this or was this something that was always already there? Like, I know that sounds like a, a dumb question, maybe. But for me, it's like, are you using power to create this thing? Or are you just giving away to access something that was already there? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. Um, yeah, <laughs> eventually, eventually we'll find out more about this. But yes, um, and so the, there's more. To it. There, there is more to it. But this gives a basic understanding of, of of where they came from. It does, and it's like it was not just that they could not wield the one power or touch the source. They could no longer even sense it. Talking about the guys, you know, why would you, why would you leave your sense of security and your sense of self? to go back to this power. So it really was addictive. Um, so I, I, I struggled a little bit in, in, in a lot of ways because I'm like, I'm having more and more questions like, why did the men go back? Why not stay in the setting? And why not, you know, be safe? Why not, you know, why access this power if it's not something that everybody should be using I don't know. I came up with more questions and answers than I wanted to. We did get the one piece of information that I love. It's like, I am a blue Aja loyal. Unlike the red Aja, we hold to the second view. Sanctuary helped to save what could be saved in regards to the breaking. Right. So yeah, there's two school th- schools of thoughts amongst the Aes Sedai is that that the, the Ogier made things worse by prolonging the breaking because the men, some men went there and went to the studying and it, and rather than just like a bandaid pulling it off, it made it. So when they left, it just kept on breaking and breaking and breaking for a longer period of time. And then there's another argument that said that because they allowed the men to come there, they saved the world because if all the men were to actually go mad all at once, it would have physically destroyed the entire world. And it actually, the Ogier saved the world by letting men come in. So there's two schools of thought amongst the Aes Sedai. Um, yeah, uh, which one's better? But apparently the Blue Aja believes that the Ogier were good. <laughs> that comes from that th- th- train of thought. But, so I was going to ask also, that's a question I had is about different Ajas. Um, you know, obviously there are several Ajas. Um, we got in blue and red so far, I think. Um, but I don't know if you guys have thoughts about that or we'll get into that a whole lot later. (laughs) I've got, so I honestly, in this chapter so far, I thought I would have more to say because uh, I had a couple of pages where, um, I mean, it's essentially uh, a highlight or an underline for one, two, three pages, like almost nonstop. But this is now, like I told you in these chapters, we got a lot of stuff tied off, but then we got a lot of new information. This is a lot of new stuff. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'm still even, I, you know, I, I read them a couple of times and listened to them once, still kind of digesting a lot of what we got here. Yeah, not that exciting of commentary, but this, this chapter, I definitely slowed down a lot more mm-hmm. and uh, absorbed as much as I could. Sure. Well, I love is what really interests me is, Loyal said it's a marvelous gift made more so by the times for the ways are not part of the world we see around us nor perhaps 
of any world outside themselves. Not only did the Ogier so gifted not have to travel through the world um, where even after the breaking men fought like animals to live in order to reach another setting, but within the ways there was no breaking. So yeah. it's almost like a parallel universe. Yeah. And they're yeah. traveling from one, like, oh man, it kind of reminds me of like Ant-Man. To look at it from that perspective. Um, in that the whole concept of um, going into the, uh, I guess it would kind of be like the multiverse when, the, when he's traveling, um, looking for the professor and the professor's wife. Or then looking at like Doctor Strange and traveling between the different dimensions. This kind of reminds me of that. You you have these mm-hmm. gateways not, you know, linking your world in the sense that, you know, you're you're traveling in your world from one place to the next, but you're literally traveling through another dimension or another world to go back into your world. And then time is impacted differently because it says that you could travel in a day and make it, you know, thousands of miles. Right. So, like, I said so many more questions than answers because I'm like, are we are we bringing in different dimensions or like what what is this really? <laughs> yeah. So eventually, he goes on with the story and he talks about um, the ways were made by men wielding power fouled by the Dark One. And about a thousand years ago, during what you humans call the War of the Hundred Years, the ways began to change so slowly in the beginning that none really noticed. They grew dank and dim. Then darkness fell along the bridges. Some who went in were never seen again. Travelers spoke of being watched from the dark. The numbers who vanished grew, and some who came out had gone mad, raving about, uh, hit me with this, Alan. Machin Shin? Machin Shin. Machin Shin? Yeah. The Black Wind. So this is one of those words that people always pronounce differently. So it's actually funny because it's Dusty Wheel. Shout out to the Dusty Wheel because I love them. Um they actually talked about this word the other night on their podcast. So they actually got an audio clip of Robert Jordan saying it himself. So I've always said Machin Chen, like Chen, like like your Chen. Apparently it's Sheen, like Martin Sheen, like our Charlie Sheen. So Machin Sheen versus Chen. But anyway, I think it, I think it either way, either way works. <laughs> <laughs> so but um so anyways, I mean, read all that for two points. One, that, that's our first hearing about this black wind, right? Um, but where did it come from? Was it just residual from um, these men that had the fouled or the, the power that was fouled by the Dark One? It just residual from them? Or was it somehow the Dark One getting access to it and, you know, the shadow is taking over the ways? Um, and kind of like what you were hinting at, like, where are you actually traveling? Is it interdimensional? Is it time and space? Is it just space that they're covering, distance that they're covering? Um, still a lot of questions. Yeah. So, yeah. So, obviously, you get the Black Wind, uh, uh, Shin, um, and, and it's this horrible thing that's in the ways that hunts people. 
Um, Hold on. You do know now that I'm going to read that as Charlie Sheen. <laughs> okay. like if it comes up again, yeah, you just, now that you said that, yeah, just, it's Charlie Sheen. Yeah, you call it Charlie Sheen. It's, he's it's, the black win. He's winning. <laughs> winning. Win. Yeah, winning. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so moving on. Um, yeah, so you, as you talked about, people came out mad or they didn't come out at all. People died. Um, and after Loyal gets done with his story, Moraine said, Moraine has this quote, which I love, where she says, you know, we're not, they said, we're at war, even though no one knows it. Um, you know, th- th- there's a war going on, but we're in the middle of this. Um, and the, the battle is at the eye of the world. You know, that's, that's, that's where we have to go now. Um, yeah, it says, while the world refuses I, to believe, the dark one may, may be at the brink of victory. There is enough power in the eye of the world to undo his prison. If the Dark One has found some way to bend the eye of the world to his use. And then she kind of trails off. So it's more like, if he's got a hold of one of our boys, then we're doomed. Mm. So this is now the new need. You know, like we talked about need beforehand, I think a couple chapters ago, like where Moraine's always about like what's Where's the need? And that's where we need to go. Um, you know, for, for, forever it was Tarvala and Tarvala. We need to get to Tarvala. Now, now this is bigger than any of this. Um, more important. We got to get there. Um, and, and Moraine says, you know, all we can do is try. You know, we might not be able to win at this point. At this point, all might be lost, but we got to try. Um, if, if we don't try, the Dark One's going to win. Yeah, she so says, time itself. One yeah. thing we can do, we can try. What seems like chance is often the pattern. Three threads have come together here, each giving a warning, the eye. It cannot be chance. It is the pattern. You three did not choose. You were chosen by the pattern. And you are here. Choices. Yeah, exactly. And you are here where the danger is known. You can step aside and perhaps doom the world, running, hiding, will not save you from the weaving of the pattern. Or you can try. You can go to the eye of the world, three Taviran, three center points of the web, placed where the danger lies. Let the pattern be woven around you there, and you may save the world from the shadow. The choice is yours. I cannot make you go. So we have the word choice but really decisions just have to be made. They don't really have a choice. It's like decide to save the world or decide to live it, allow it to be kind of condemned. And then we have the differences in the very fact that there is the eye and that there is the pattern. And those are two different things, two separate concepts. Um, and then it's almost like with the eye, it's almost like it's a physical thing. Like the pattern seems more mm-hmm. metaphysical while the eye seems like an actual physical, tangible thing. So I'm interested to see what this power is. Or maybe maybe the eye of the world is like a physical wellspring uh, on the earth. Mm-hmm. You know, like this, I won't say that maybe not the source, but a, a part where it's really strong or where it seeps into the world around them yeah yeah so yeah moraine does give them a choice this time <laughs> and 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 re- reluctant no, no 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 
because Nynaeve, <laughs> Nynaeve reads right right into it and says, I suppose there isn't any choice for Egwene or me either. So in that statement, she's talking about her and Egwene, but she said there's no choice. Like, no choice for the boys, no choice for everybody else. Yeah. Nynaeve, um, Anakin Skywalker here, uh, <laughs> she, call, she calls her out on it. And I like it. <laughs> yeah. So, like, reluctantly, they all do agree to go. Uh, I think that's there. Even Loyal agrees that, yeah, go to, go to the way. They, they get to planning. They immediately go down to planning. Uh, and she does. <laughs> it's kind of, it, it, it is very interesting that we don't really know what the future holds for the girls. Like we kind of have this predetermined idea of what everything is going to go, how everything's going to go for the guys. Um, but the girls are kind of our wild cards. I feel like they're going to play a much larger role than has been let on at this point. So I, I'm excited. Um, yeah, but we'll see. Uh, Master Gill is you know get sent orders and things to go and and Rand here tries to convince Egwene not to go that to go back home at this point, but knowing that she is going to um you know go ahead and go too so. Yeah, I can't stand how Egwene lures him in with a false sense of security just to spring a trap on him. Um, Rand, Rand's trying to show his concern. You don't have to go. And to surprise, she smiled and touched his cheek. Thank you, Rand. You know I can't, though. Rand said I told us what men saw and blah, 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 blah. But the pattern sends me to the eye of the world, too, it seems. Whatever involves you involves me. But Egwene, who's lame, <laughs> like she just shifts gears, goes B mode on him. Like, man, what a what a turd. Yeah, and Egwene, Egwene's super annoyed, and, and and of course, Rand, Rand has this thought: I wish Perrin could talk. Perrin knows more about women. <laughs> yeah, I need to talk to Perrin. He knows how to deal with these women. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Meanwhile, Perrin's probably in the other room, like talking to. Nynaeve and like, Jesus, if only Rand was here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, they say the White Cloaks are watching the end. Um, and, um, you know, there's riots breaking out here and there throughout the city. So, you know, as the innkeeper's helping, they're trying to give these this news and and how they're trying to figure out how they're going to escape the city. Um, you know, and, and Matt somehow, you know, somewhat amused that he gets to save the world. <laughs> you know, that's a little part, but uh, yeah, but they they eventually go upstairs, and uh, you know, as everybody's planning to get some sleep, and we get dreams. <laughs> Bam! Deny him! Deny him! Deny him! He's not there. Yeah. Deny him. So doesn't work. <laughs> I, lo- I love the progression, though. Like you know, when you first enter the the dreams in the beginning of the book, like it's. You have no idea. It's it's very very jarring because you have no idea you're dreaming, and even for the reader. So yeah, so this dream. So like in the beginning of the book, I love how Robert Jordan's doing this, where even for the reader, it's really confusing um, when you first enter these dreams and what's going on. But then as they get more comfortable with them, like immediately he writes it in a way that you know it's a dream. Does that make sense? Like because they now he now yeah. they announced it right away. Like Rand knew immediately he was dreaming. Uh, you know, versus I'm in a black hallway. And- <laughs> well, and before the dreams were much more abstract because there was less control by both parties. Beelzebub's right. gaining in power and he's able to touch them 
more, which just sounds very inappropriate now that I'm thinking about it. But anyway, <laughs> he's <No. laughs> he's able to to really reach them. He's able to talk to them. He's now, you know, really able to communicate well, and they are understanding what they're going through. They too are more connected to the power, so they're both kind of coming closer to the source together. And it's giving clarity to the dreams to where he's like, from the first he knew it was a dream, one of those dreams that was not entirely dream. So they're almost becoming more closer to reality. Well, so to to kind of tie into what you're saying about them, I guess, getting a little bit drawn closer, the more they have these these dreams, these interactions. So within the dream... You have on the table the three men. You have the one that stood behind the wolf, uh, but the shapes are kind of crude, but you can make out some details. The other with the dagger um, and the other with the sword that had the heron mark blade. So there's some details that stand out, but you can't quite make out who they are quite yet. Um, and if Beazamon is the one controlling these interactions, these dreams, which I, I think we agree that's the direction it's coming from at these point at this point. Uh, this is Beazamon slowly starting to be able to in detail identify them. Mm-hmm. Was 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 a little creepy. It is. And yeah, Beazamon shows up there and, and randomly denies him. Um, I did, which is funny. I deny you. Yeah. Which, which, <laughs> I don't. Which, I mean, what else would you say? I don't know. But that's just that, kind of funny. Brain said to say really I deny. But these laughed at what yeah. that whole. The Osman laughed a rich sound rolling from fire. Do you think it is that easy? But then you always did not do, did. Each time we have stood like this, you have thought you could defy me. What do you mean each time I deny you? This is a reoccurring struggle that we haven't seen yet as if Rand has been through this before or maybe there's some idea of reincarnation happening here. It's that it's that whole Matrix Neo thing exactly. that I mentioned way back. Or, may, yeah. or maybe time's like a wheel. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, like it goes round and round. Yes, mm. but I mean, I know what we're what we're trying to figure out is which which boy is the the person, but I, you know, maybe one of them is the true dragon. Yeah, maybe. and maybe I I don't know. I'm I'm just trying to really piece it together. Maybe there's another piece of this puzzle that we're not that we haven't come across yet. Yeah, and as Bealzamont's laughing at, at Rand, you know, he says, this war's gone on since the beginning of time. Like, this is nothing new. Like, we fought since the beginning of time. Um, and, and at this point, Bealzamont, once again, just like Goad, you know, remember Goad was offering Rand pretty much a job back in Four Kings. And, and Bealzamont kind of offers Rand upper-level upper management again. Um the offer of a job today they can serve right on his right hand and um yeah rand immediately thinks he's lying but yeah yeah and he says i offer it one more one last time you could stand above them above every power and dominion but mine right there have been times when you made that choice 
times when you live long enough to know your power. <laughs> Crazy. Mm-hmm. And then we get introduced again to the Black Aja. Deny him. Right. He mentions the Black Aja. So, you know, we talked the red, yeah. the blue, now we the black. Um, and the black are loyal to the dark one, apparently. <laughs> That's not too surprising. Yeah. I mean, everybody be, everybody could be tempted. So I don't, I don't think the eyes to die are. Uh, yeah. And, and eventually, that. eventually, Rang gets frustrated says, you know, what do you want from me? And, and Bosman's answer is, I want you to kneel. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and the, bend the knee. Bend the knee. Yeah. <laughs> bend <laughs> the knee. Um, and then, uh, you know, Ray refuses and he just hears die, 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 echo in his head over and over and over again um, until he wakes up. And um, before we get to the next scene, anything from that dream sequence you guys we missed that you guys want to talk about? Obviously, he hits the table too. We talked about that. Uh, we didn't talk about that with all the figures on it. Yeah. Uh, swipes all the figures away. I mean, everything's pointing to them being out of time. You know, the, yeah. the dreams, it, it's not so much that they're happening more often, but each one they go into, um, it's more dire. The, mm-hmm. It's almost like the, the physical connection between Baal and the boys is getting stronger. Uh, Ran hurts himself this time, mm-hmm. and it, it's a wound that stays with him outside of the dream. Right. Um, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but you know, Matt, yeah. Um, his, his first thing to Rand is that he knows who I am, yeah. you know, because he picked up his piece. So now, now he's identified him. So like each one of these sequences, um, you, they're just running out of time. Yeah, and Matt's freaking out when he wakes up. You know that, that he knows who I am. He knows who I am now. Like the figure turns to my face. Like since I picked him up, like he knows who I am. Uh, and Rand had the splinter, like you said, in his hand, and he picks it out. And once he picks out the splinter, it disappears. Um, yeah, so kind of some freaky stuff. Obviously, there's connections between this dream world and the real world. It's not; it's, these aren't normal dreams. Obviously, um, we've learned that before already. Um, and and they're not that far. So they're not that far from Moraine when this is going on. And like she's tried to give them some reassurance about her presence being able to protect them, just being near her, but it's clearly not working with these dreams and it's not working with Biasamon. Right. Yeah. And, and Moraine comes in at that point and says, it's time to leave. Uh, and they said, well, we just fell asleep. He goes, no, you've been sleeping for hours. Uh, but we need to hurry. Time's growing short. Um, we we got to get out of here like right now. So let's, let's go. And that ends the chapter. So with them leaving, the queen's blessing. So any thoughts on all these chapters as we wrap up this episode? I'm really nervous about them going into the ways. Yeah. I'm probably more nervous about that than anything so far in this book. Yeah. Any thoughts, Chris? Well, no, I'm Chris, kind of along the same train of thought. Like in my mind, them entering into this, unknown into the shadows you know if the tropics are traveling that way if if Biazaman's got a way for his people to access it what type of troubles are they going to get into and then we still don't know who the green man is so (laughs) yeah 
Well, they've been, they've been the Green Man before. In the very beginning of the book, they did. They said, maybe we'll even meet the yeah. Green Man. And they kind of <laughs> laughed it off. But now it's like a real uh-huh. thing. So it's like... Wait, nudge. Poor <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. Um, so uh, did anybody else? I mean, I, I said it sarcastically earlier, but Chris, did you pick up on how they're like, oh, well, now we have even more reason to go to Tarvalon yeah, because Matt and... Anymore. If we don't disconnect him from this dagger, it's not like he's just got a dagger the rest of his life. If they don't fix it and break the bond there, eventually that issue is going to come back. And it doesn't just hurt him. It spreads everyone around him. Yeah. So they just skip over and they're like, oh, no, Tarvalon, we're just going to go do this green man thing. Like, what if they go into the ways and Matt gets separated mm. from Moraine or or Matt gets stuck there because, you know, even Loyal talks about how it, time and distance and everything just get really strange yeah, and weird true. in the ways. Yeah. So if, if our group gets separated again, like the clock's ticking for him, everything is, everybody's at a time. Everybody's got a clock ticking. Stuff has to happen. Sam and Matt will get um, strong mm-hmm. enough. And they just kind of, they just kind of skip over it. From the power that he'll be able to control the blade. Like mm-hmm. that's the hope that I have is that he'll be able to, to you know gain so much strength like the the male I said I had and be a great leader and be able to control the, the magic that the dagger holds and to be able to control that source of power and to manipulate it to his own will. So I'm kinda in that camp. Yeah. And then and then Rand standing on the high ground says, Don't do it, Matt. I have the high ground. And Matt's like You <laughs> underestimate my powers. But and you were the chosen one. But you were the chosen one. All right. Yeah, maybe. So uh one thing that Chris suggested last week, or I think it was Chris that suggested is that or Ian suggested that we read out the chapter titles and talk about that as well. So I figured that we should start doing that. Actually, that was a great idea. <laughs> So next week we're gonna do two chapters, and I'm just gonna read the chapter titles and let you guys. So you guys haven't read these chapters yet, so you guys can think about what you think about the chapter titles before we get there. So the chapter titles are the dark, the dark along the ways, and what follows in shadow. That's what we're reading next. So, any thoughts about next week? Well, <laughs> based on looking the at the first shadow, the dark along the ways, we're traveling. Oh yeah. <laughs> we're getting there, but we we knew we knew we're heading that way. But uh, and then and then the the next chapter is uh is what follows in shadow. So pretty ominous chapter yeah. titles. Um, I'm hoping we don't lose anybody. So. Like we haven't had a death yet. <laughs> you know, what are you talking about? Tom, Tom died. Nope, no way. <laughs> uh, I'm really hoping that maybe he'll come out of the shadows. Maybe like yeah. There well, we maybe go. they find him in the ways. Oh, maybe, maybe. maybe. <laughs> anyway, so let me go ahead and wrap it up for this week. Uh, and and, um, and so, just how you can find us, as I said, every week we get found on social media at the Wheel Reads on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, the Wheel Reads at gmail.com is our email address if you want to slide into the email, and get a little more personal with us. Um, Discord's a great thing. To, our our Discord's really been growing fast. Um, I don't know if you two have, have noticed that, but we've been having like 
lot of people enjoyed recently. Um, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of getting crazy. Uh, we have a little 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 piece of the internet that's fun. Uh, we do live recordings at least during quarantine um, uh, for everyone. Uh, originally, this was because she set up just for Patreons only uh, the live recording, but because of quarantine, we opened it to everyone, and it's kind of become a thing. So I. I'll, I'll talk to our patrons and figure out what we're doing later after this is all over with. But for right now, it's open for everyone. So if you join a Discord, you can d- actually listen to us live. Uh, people are listening to us right now as I'm talking. Um, and that could uh, be a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. Some, sometimes we, yeah, the unedited can be rough. Yeah, it goes both <laughs> ways. Um, and we have a lot of fun. I mean, there's there's usually, I mean, there's people in different time zones. Like we have people all over the world that are on our discord channel. So if you uh, ever want to join in, go to voice chat, talk to people in real life. We have that. Of course, the text chats, lots of different channels and lots of different things that aren't just wheel of time. It's like this little community that we've created. Um, and I'd be, I'd be, uh, re, uh, you know, uh, not doing it justice as, as, as many people have told me, if I don't mention Fred, Fred's a new addition to our discord. Um, <laughs> um He's our he's our bot that plays music. So uh, we actually have a whole channel that you can. It's pretty much going twenty four seven so far, um, and it's like a jukebox. Um, so there's people in there all the time playing music, um, which is nothing to do with real time at all. But it's like I said, it's a little corner of the internet. It's free to join. Consider joining our Discord. And last but not least, our Patreon. As I mentioned at the beginning of our episode, we have a Patreon. Um, the links in the description below. If you join that. Uh, become a contributor for us, uh, a patron, uh, a, a patron. Um, then obviously you'll be eligible for uh, the giveaway that we're doing. Uh, giveaway a, a copy of the Eye of the World, a hardcover copy. Um, so that's up for grabs. So um, be happy to see more of you guys uh, sign up there as well. Um, we'd appreciate all the support there. We do more giveaways, get better equipment, get just better and better of a podcast. Um, that's about it for me. It, uh, obviously, like, review us, share us with all your friends, all that great stuff. Um, anything for you guys before we? No. Until next time. Thank you for listening to The Wheel of Reads. See you all next time.